we were so close to seeing the full Mike Conley in effect, to seeing the way that this team plays with Mountain Mike out there. It's taken away from us. He had missed five games heading into the matchup against Orlando and then re-aggravates the hamstring injury. He'll be out for a little bit more longer time, and the Jazz will have to deal with it. This is Round Ball Roundup on episode 23 on utahjazz.com. He plays 19 minutes out on the floor, scores seven, dishes six assists. It just looked like it flowed. It was as David Locke tweeted, jazz basketball, that we anticipated from the preseason and from looking at it just on paper. Maybe it was that time off that Mike needed to get adjusted and to get into his right headspace to where he's playing well. The game turned once he was no longer in it and made it more competitive in the favor of Orlando. Coach Q goes with the starting lineup of Gobert, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Mitchell, and Conley. It works like a charm. That lineup, according to Clean the Glass, plus two in the differential. The group, once Royce O'Neal comes in, that's a plus 17. And Royce talked about it after the game, about how he was very willing to take that spot on the bench and be a man coming and supplying energy. Didn't matter to him. We'll get into the games in a roundup complete after our interview. Because Rudy Gobert, he joined Crunch Time, NBA TV's version of NFL Red Zone. It is basketball in your eyeballs. You will be able to digest and look at all the NBA storylines that you love, that you want to see. Jared Greenberg, the host of the program, he joins me on this edition of Round Ball Roundup. We get into all the hot topics. Rudy Gobert, his career going into basketball, where that love of basketball started. That's where we begin our interview with Jared Greenberg of NBA TV. Is there a source of pride for you to try and defend that and win it a third time? Of course. You know, of course, I, I, you know, I believe that you know, there's not a lot of guys that can, that can do that. Only one guy got it three times in a row, so I'm, I'm trying to be the second one. You know, I appreciate you saying that, by the way, because um, you know we really have been trying the last couple of years, and this is the first year where we've done crunch time, um, you know, wall-to-wall on a dedicated night on Wednesday night, which is typically uh, one of, if not the busiest night of the week with the most amount of games. So we want to give fans kind of a one-stop shop of a place that you can kind of capture all the biggest moments as they're happening. And we really pride ourselves on, you know, trying to have our finger on the pulse of if you're sitting on your couch and there's, you know, an 11-game night or you know, at any given time, there's five or six games happening simultaneously that we're going to kind of give you the story of, of what's happening uh, as it's happening. And um, for me, you know, I, I've just always loved hoops. Um, you know, I had a chance uh, before before uh, Turner Sports purchased uh, and had the rights to operate NBA TV. Uh, I was working for the NBA when they were operating NBA TV up in Secaucus, everybody knows Secaucus now for the replay center, but, but back in the day, uh, that's, that's where uh, NBA TV was operated from. And you might remember it was the, it was the very first uh, sports network dedicated for one particular sport. Um, you know, NBA TV was really innovative on that, and uh, the NBA was innovative. And I've just always been drawn to it. I've, I've always loved basketball. It's been in my family. Uh, nobody's been very good at playing it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I decided that from an early age that, I'd want to talk about it for the rest of my life. 
Jared, I'm five six, so I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about when it comes to not being great at basketball. What is your first hoops yeah. memory? Who? What was a team that you gravitated towards, or even a player? Well, so I I, I grew up in in uh, northern New Jersey, um, and for me it was uh, you know really bad basketball for a long time. Uh, my parents would always be very generous and get me tickets to Nets games. And uh, for, for a long time, I was one of a handful of people in the arena watching those games, except for when um, teams like those, those great Utah Jazz teams would come to town, uh, you know, with Carl Malone or, um, you know, Shaq with Orlando would come to town a little later on. And Michael Jordan with, with uh, Chicago would come to town. It was, it was uh, crazy to see the building fill up with people rooting for the opponent. Um, but, but that for me is really where the love uh, first started was, you know, getting attached to teams that weren't very good, but, but priding myself in being a very loyal uh, and passionate fan and, uh, you know, ultimately culminating with, with the Nets, uh, you know, uh, getting to back-to-back NBA finals back, uh, you know, about 20 years ago. So, so that's for me where it really all got started. Well, and a great voice to go along with watching those Nets has to be Ian Eagle. So I'm sure it was just a joy to watch those teams growing up. Looking at the job that you have now with Crunch Time, it's you, Andrew Siciliano, Scott Hansen, that I just admire for how long you are on television and making sports entertaining for the the viewer, for the listener. How do you approach your job in, in conveying the excitement that you see from the basketball floor when you're on Wednesday nights and Fridays? Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, those, those other guys, Andrew and Scott, have been doing it for so much longer. And, <laughs> and um, you know, for, for us, uh, it's a little it's a little different of uh, of a show just from from what we're capable of doing, uh, but but we are um, you know like I said we're we're trying to do our best to to show you all the biggest moments as they're happening and we hope we hope that we're providing an element to the basketball diehard that maybe they haven't had before. Um, and for me, you know, when you talk about preparing, you know, that's preparation's my favorite word in the English language. Um, you know, and that's that's what I think. Um, you know, I. I I pride myself on, um, you know, I, I come into every broadcast I do, whether it's crunch time or if I'm hosting another show on NBA TV, but, but particularly crunch time, because I think, you know, it's, it, it lends itself uh, to its easiest and most naturally is, is thinking about what the viewer at home cares about. Right. And, and as I'm getting ready throughout the course of the day and preparing myself, you know, whether it's gathering notes, reading stories, um, talking to to people around the NBA, it's always with the mindset of how can I apply this to the show and provide the viewer with something that entertains them, that informs them, that educates them, and that would make them want to come back and watch more of it or stay with us and continue to watch it. Um, you know, that's that's a big thing for us is is you know giving people what they want, giving them a reason to continue to watch whether it be that night or for another night and hopefully you know tell your friends that that you know there's a pretty cool show out there that is is focused and, and dedicated to um you know making sure you have a great experience and, and fulfilling your needs that when you're watching right i mean i don't know how many people tune in and think that they necessarily have a need for something but there's a reason why you continue to watch something and there's a reason why you turn away from something and and we want to give you all the right reasons to continue to watch
Well, and one of those reasons for jazz fans, at least this week, Rudy Gobert joined the program. What did yeah. you gather from that interview with Rudy and, and his desire to repeat as the defensive player of the year? Yeah. Um, Rudy's an interesting guy. You know, um, you know, I, 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 I tweeted out the phrase, and I think this applies, and I, I mean this with, with um, the utmost respect for Rudy. It's, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. Because Rudy doesn't say much, as you know. Um, and in this day and age where, where so many of the, 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 the bigger stars in this league have such big personalities, um, we're finding guys like Kawhi Leonard and like Rudy Gobert who really, you know, don't, don't necessarily let you into their personality, even though they have one behind closed doors. They want to speak with their performance. And I think, I think you know, Rudy's earned so much respect around the league for, for how hard of a worker he is, how good he is on the defensive end. But I think this year, what, what we've kind of always wondered about Rudy, and we're starting to see it more and more and more, is that he's not just a great defensive player. He can really be a good offensive player, too. Um, you know, I think when we, when we categorize and label a guy as being able to do something, we often um, allow that to think that he's limited in the other areas. Uh, it's almost a detriment sometimes. Like, you know, I, I, I always, uh, you know, back four years ago when Steph Curry was running back-to-back MVPs, I, I would always caution, caution people not just to call him one of the great shooters or great three-point shooters of all time, because while that in itself is a compliment, it almost compartmentalizes one skill set and doesn't allow you to recognize all the great things that he's doing on the court other than just that. And, and I think that's the, the same thing with Rudy. He's, he takes a lot of pride in being known as a great defensive player. He wants to become just the second-ever guy to win it three straight years in defensive player of the year. But I also think that this year it's been special to be able to see. And I think the success of the Jazz may also um, rely on a lot of his offensive ability uh, moving forward. And I, I think he's capable of it. What's been that national observation from the Jazz a quarter of the season in? They've dealt with injury with Mike Conley going back out of the lineup now with that hamstring injury and just dealing with the chemistry issues of teams trying to get together and develop chemistry when they're just newly formed. Yeah, I think I think it's a great point, JP. You know, um, I had such high expectations. I think so many people did. It was, it was funny. The Jazz were, you know, right after that big um, – free agency period where, where the jazz made some, some great moves by uh, bringing in Bogdanovich and, and signing Jeff green. And after they had already acquired Mike Conley, you know, I think a lot of people like to use the jazz as like their sleeper team. And it got to the point over the summer where it's like, they can't be the sleeper team. If everybody thinks they're going to be really good, right? Like they're, they're just going to be good. And I, I think coming into the season, I, I, I picked the jazz to finish third in the West. And, you know, again, it, it, even though, we're getting to the point where we're a third of the way into the season and you're starting to, you know, figure out things there's not that much separation between, you know, the, the, the top four teams in the West and, and the bottom four teams in terms of the top eight uh, in the conference, you know, it, it's only a couple of weeks difference of games where you win a few games and all of a sudden, wow, you know, you're a three seed again. So I, I wouldn't count anything out for the jazz, but I think, you know, you, you made the point that chemistry is, is just such a hard thing to figure out how it's going to play out. And, you know, the good thing about the Jazz is that they, they really have some high-character guys in their locker room. 
Um, and, and even, you know, guys who do have personalities, it's, it's not, it's not me versus the world. It's us versus the world is the sense you get with the jazz. And I think there's just too good of players on the team for it to not work itself out. Now, does it end up being a, a top forward seed and, and, and you guys getting home court advantage in the first round? I don't, I don't know yet, but, but I also wouldn't count it out. And I, I think ultimately, you know, maybe this time off from Mike Conley, uh, there's kind of a silver lining to it. You know, maybe, you know, you never want anybody to be injured, never, you know, wish for injuries, but, but maybe it works out where he gets to sit back and watch how the team operates without him. And it makes it uh, easier for him to be reacclimated to the squad when he comes back. And I think getting the opportunity to get some other guys, some other minutes, and for Quinn Snyder, Coach Snyder, to, to be able to figure out some different rotations while these injuries are happening, maybe in the end it works out to be, um, you know, a, a good thing for the Jazz uh, long term. What have you made of Donovan Mitchell in year three? First two were him starting to get to that star turn. Year three, taking another step after a year with Team USA. Yeah, yeah, and that's always a big thing. You know, we always we always talk about guys who who get that experience of um, not just being around other great players for you know a period of, of what was it more than a month, I, I guess, um, and 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 also being um, around that coaching staff. You know, um, I, I remember, you know, Quinn Snyder was was so excited for for Donovan Mitchell to have that opportunity to be around that coaching staff of, you know, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and, and Jay Wright, uh, and even Lloyd Pierce, um, you know, just to have that opportunity. And I think ultimately that helps with, with so many things. I, but, but, you know, I think the intangibles too of understanding what guys do on a daily basis in and out, uh, because one of the things with Team USA that they've kind of adopted over the years that, that started with Mike Krzyzewski is that they're, they're not going to treat you like children. Uh, they're not going to demand that you do certain type of work uh, or X amount of work. They're, they're going to expect that you'll keep yourself in the right shape and you'll do what's necessary for your body. So ultimately you'll be ready. And, and I think Donovan uh, really, uh, I think the term was, if I'm recalling right, you know, Quinn asked or coach Snyder asked Donovan just to be a sponge uh, there. And I think he picked up a lot of great things. When it's all said and done, you said that you had Utah in the preseason as the third team out in the West. Where do you think it stacks up after the basketball that we've seen? There's clearly a separation with the L.A. squads, but that second grouping, I think Utah can jump into that that spot still. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be easy, but yeah, absolutely, I think they can. And I think, you know, as we see with every team, injuries is going to play a huge part of it right now. You know, um, pretty much every group is, is dealing with it. Utah with, with Mike Conley, uh, Dallas right now with Luka Doncic. We'll see he, when he comes back with the injury. Uh, even Houston, who, you know, just had a massive win over the Clippers, they, they've been banged up at times, um, albeit not, not to their, you know, two best players so far, knock on wood. But, you know, I think I, 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 I'm just curious to see, too, you know, what happens with teams. What, what's so exciting about this year, JP, as you know, is that, so many organizations truly believe that they have a chance to contend for a championship. So many teams believe that they have an opportunity to go really deep into the playoffs. And because of that, I think we're going to see some teams be pretty aggressive here in the next few weeks leading up to the February trade deadline. And then even after that in the buyout market to try and add a piece, whether it's a massive piece like a superstar or whether it's just sort of a chip that you plug in and you play because that person makes sense on your roster that I think teams are going to go all in and say, 
this is an opportunity for us. And I think, I think, you know, we have a lot to learn about, you know, what shakes out. And, and because of, you know, the turnover we had on rosters over the summer, it's still going to be until maybe mid to late January before we truly get a great feel or sense for what the order or who the eight teams will be in the, in the Western conference. And that, that may even bleed over into February, into March, um, you know, can can the team like Oklahoma City or, or Sacramento sustain the unbelievable success that they've had here over the last couple of weeks? Can can Portland start to play a lot better? Um, does Phoenix, with their young players, can they get you know they get Aiden back? Can they you know um, figure it out with him and sustain you know several weeks of success that get them into the picture? And then you know, are we really going to count out San Antonio? So I, I think that there's a lot yet to be learned, and that's why this regular season has a lot of intrigue and why you know. Hopefully people are tuning into us on crunch time because every night really does matter because ultimately the way it looks, a team is going to miss the playoffs by a game. A team is going to miss being a top four seed in the Western conference by a game. And, and I think that, that all of that leads to some, some great stories. Well, it's going to be fascinating matchups when it comes to the postseason. He is the NBA TV host for crunch time. Make sure to check it out when you are watching NBA basketball. It is all in your face. It's the best part of hoops, all located in one area. It is crunch time, Wednesdays and Fridays. Jared Greenberg joining Round Ball Roundup. Jared, thank you so much for taking the time. JP, really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for your kind words. And I hope everybody checks us out Wednesdays and Friday nights on Crunch Time. It's one of the reasons I think early that we were a little stagnant because, you know, we want him, you know, to be that aggressive and, you know, at the right time in the game. It's hard to do that for, you know, 36, 38 minutes. Uh, so for us to be able to move the ball and everybody touch it and have it come back to him, and, you know, that's the key for us is to trust each other. And then obviously at the end of the game, we trust on him. So that's the round ball with Jared and now the round up with me as that's Quinn Snyder after Utah's 111-106 victory against the Hawks on Thursday. Team that had six wins but still needed Donovan Mitchell to come up clutch down the stretch. Something that he has been doing over the last two games that we've seen so far. Against the Magic, he has 10 in the fourth quarter and last night, 15 in the final frame. Donovan's backpacking the squad in the fourth quarter, and when it's crunch time, you know exactly where the ball's going to be going, and it doesn't matter because he can still score and he can still get to the line. It was impressive up three. He gets the ball, has the opportunity to go to the rim, attacks, and goes to the line. Those are the type of Dwayne Wade-ish plays that Flash would do where he's getting to the line in crunch time and getting those free throws. The more Donovan can increase his efficiency from the free throw line, the better he can become. Half of his points came in that fourth quarter for Donovan. Look, look at his fourth quarter line. Six of eight from the field, one of two from three. He goes 15, a plus four on that end. Free throw attempts for him so far this year. Five is what he's averaging. And in the game, he went to the line five times against the Hawks. It needs to be continued searching for contact. Being willing to take those hits rather than avoiding the contact and trying to make a spectacular play. Dondini's fun. The electric plays are more fun. That hammer dunk against the Magic. 
those type of dealings, that's what he needs to get into more. And this was the carryover from the Orlando game where it was a little bit of a calamity in the fourth quarter with how close that the game had gotten, having been up 16 in the third, then Orlando fighting all the way back, which they're a good squad and going to be a playoff team out of the Eastern Conference. It goes back to that point off the top. Mike Conley stabilizing and helping right the ship of the bench and figuring the role that he had on this team. It's frustrating, but that's the deal when it comes to hamstring injuries. Sometimes they crop back up. It's better to wait for him to come back rather than rue playing him too early or playing him on an injured hamstring because he wants to play. We played the clip last time out about how angry he was just to be watching and not being out there playing with this team. In his return, he plays 20 minutes, two of eight from the field, seven points, six assists. That's the number that you have to look at because the offense flows a little bit better. This has been a carryover for what we've seen, and this played as a graphic on the broadcast last night. Passes are up. Not that that's an indication of great offense because the highest passes, at least average, in the NBA this year comes from the Golden State Warriors. However, seeing the Jazz pass the ball and overpassing sometimes, that's Jazz basketball. We saw it playing all that way to get that 16-point lead in the third quarter. That's the way the Jazz want to play, and that's, that makes them a threat in the Western Conference. When Mike Conley is out there, you'd see... the. That even from sitting on the bench, and take with that what it's worth, from sitting and watching his teammates play, he was able to analyze the game and apparently use it to play really well once he returned on the floor. Now just for him on the court, it's about making shots, and for a career 37% three-point shooter, he has all the pedigree to continue what we saw from his action. The other funny moment has to be Joe Ingles and the technical foul given to Michael Carter-Williams. It's astounding how Joe Ingles continues to get players to bite in on what he's doing. The nonsense that the Aussie is throwing out there. He had a wonderful stare down that we have already utilized on Utah Jazz's social channel, so make sure to check out that. Atlanta was pesky for a six-win team. They really can fill it up on the scoreboard. Trey Young kept him in the game with 30 points, but Donovan the closer getting it done and pushing Utah over the hill. It bears repeating because it always bears repeating. Rudy Gobert continuing to affect the way teams attack the rim. Coming into this one, we mentioned Atlanta fifth in the NBA in getting shots at the rim in their frequency. Gobert, he dominated down low. Atlanta opted for more mid-range shots. They went 14 of 29 at the rim. That's the Gobert factor of affecting what you do, attacking the cup. And to boot, he had the huge dunk that was an emphasis, capitalization, exclamation point, all of it on that contest. The Eastern Conference road trip continues with two more games over the next couple of days. Saturday, got the Hornets in Charlotte, team that is played uneven, but another bottom tier of the Eastern Conference team. They lost to the Cavs after trailing in that game by 20. They brought it all the way back to lose by two. 
Charlotte two weeks ago has lost to this Atlanta team as well. Giving them this infamous stat, six of the 30 NBA teams entered Wednesday with fewer than 10 victories. The Hornets have now lost to four of them. The Cavs, Hawks, Wizards, and Pelicans. They do have a dangerous player in Devontae Graham. He's having a stellar year, leading that team. Had a lot of buildup when he came out of Kansas, and now he's getting an opportunity to show it. This is the same thing that Utah needs to do when they went out and beat Atlanta the first night of this road trip. Want to see a little bit more dominant effort against Charlotte in the way that they play. Especially if they come out and try to play a zone defense, which they've been willing to do when their defense is out of sorts. If they play zone, Boyan Bogdanovich should feast on it, and same goes for Donovan Mitchell. Miami on Monday is going to be a very fascinating game to watch because they are one of the top teams in the East, and Stephen A. Smith is saying that this squad could go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Jimmy Butler and Pat Riley, they're basically the stepbrothers, did we just become best friends meme? They are Firing 20 and 8 out of the gates. They play the Knicks tonight, so that's going to go even one better. Might get Goran Dragic back over this stretch. He was upgraded to questionable. With a groin injury, he had missed nine straight games, so gives them another ball handler in the ilk of Mike Conley. We'll have more on that game when it comes to Monday's edition of Round Ball Roundup. Make sure to let others know that you're listening to the program. Like, subscribe, five stars. Nice reviews, all I'm asking from you. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Find us there. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.